Welcome to Have Hope Will Travel. I'm your host, Katie Axelson. And today we're here with a friend, Anna Ward. Anna and I went to college together, or we went to the same college at the same time. I don't know that we ever had class together. Um, but Anna's here to get to share her story a little bit about what life looks like when you've got cystic fibrosis. So Anna, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm so glad you're here and I'm so glad that you're willing to share your story because I think it's a unique perspective, especially right now as we're in a pandemic that that is a respiratory virus and that has affected your life very, very deeply. Um, and so thank you so much for for who you are, first of all, um, and the beautiful woman of God that he has made you to be. Um, but then also just your generosity with what you've learned and what you know. Um, you did a um, Cystic Fibrosis Awareness Month a couple of years ago now, I think. And it really impacted me. Like I was like, this is fun. Like I wanted to read your posts every day just to learn a little bit more about what life looks like for you. So thank you so much for sharing there and for now getting to share here. Yeah, I, um, I always appreciate opportunities to share because I feel like the more people know, the more they can understand. And so, um, yeah, I just am grateful to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So let's just start off with the basics. What is cystic fibrosis? Yeah, so cystic fibrosis is um, a lot more complex than like when I was thinking through like, how do I explain this? Um, so it's a genetic disease um, that is chronic, um, lifelong, and uh, primarily affects the lungs. Um, it's always been called a lung disease, but in reality, it affects, affects a lot more than just mm. the lungs. If you think about um, anywhere in the human body that mucous membranes are, it's affecting that area. Oh, wow. um, so essentially what happens is it the, the issue stems from a cellular level. Um, so the cells in the body um, are not transferring the right amount of sodium. I think, I mean, there's a lot of science behind it. I'm giving a sure. very basic of course. Um, ex explanation. Um, so anyway, the, the mucus that the body creates is a lot thicker and stickier than a normal healthy individual. Sure. Um, so, so, you know, the lungs can, um, get really clogged, um, mm -hmm. and, uh, essentially bacteria settles in a lot faster for someone with, um, a, with cystic fibrosis. Um, so lung infections are top of the list, common and difficult to deal with. Sure. Um, but then of course you think about, um, you know, the sinuses have a lot of, you know, mucus yeah. stuff, um, yeah. the rest, the reproductive system, mm. um, the, the pancreas mm -hmm. is affected. Um, so all these different things, um, over time, the longer you live with CF, the, mm -hmm. the more problems come up. Essentially. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, so, so like I said, like the, the, probably the, the biggest challenge for someone with CF is lung, um, lung bacteria in the lungs, sure, sure. which typically have to be resolved via like IV antibiotics. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. So what does your like daily life look like outside the pandemic? We'll get to the pandemic in a minute. Yeah. So, um, I have to, first of all, I do two treatments a day. Um, so I, there's what we call the vest, um, hook on, like actually put on a physical vest 
that actually vibrates my lungs to um, break up the mucus that's in my lungs. And the idea is that I'll cough up the mucus so that it's not sitting in my lungs waiting for an infection to settle in. Sure. So I start every, that's the first thing I do in the morning. I wake up, go put my vest on and that's yeah. about 30 minutes a day, okay. 30 minutes per treatment. Sure. Um, while I'm doing the vest, I'm also doing nebulized medication. And so like albuterol, a lot of people know what albuterol is, mm -hmm. um, to open up the airways and then, um, hypertonic saline, which is essentially salt water. Okay. Um, the, with, if you think about the science behind the, the cellular issue is a salt sodium issue, they use salt water, breathing in salt water actually helps break up the mucus. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So I, I start my morning with that, yeah. um, treatment. Um, then I guess you could say essentially the rest of my day looks somewhat like a normal, healthy person's day. Um, just with a lot of added medications that I take sure. with every, every meal that I eat, I have to take enzymes a, a healthy body will produce these in, enzymes naturally. You don't even know it's happening. Um, but for someone with CF, the body may not produce those and therefore there's digestion issues. Sure. So if I'm ever eating anything, I have to take, um, enzymes. Mm -hmm. Um, and then just a wide variety of other medications. There's a new medication that came out, um, was approved by the FDA right before the pandemic, like a couple months before the pandemic. Sure. It came at a great time. Yeah. Um, that is called Trikapta. It's, it's a, um, what they call a CF modulator. Okay. Um, it's, it's a really a breakthrough in CF research in that yeah. it's working at that cellular level and helping the cells do the right thing. And so it's, it's really been life-changing. You know, I would say prior to taking Trikafta, I was regularly coughing all the time. Like, you know, I would at times have trouble, you know, breathing. I would catch every single virus that oh, was, sure. that I came into contact with yeah. just like was constantly on antibiotics, you know, but since starting Trikafta, I'm like, I rarely catch like a cold. Um, I don't like really ever cough anymore, which is really incredible actually. Yeah. Like yeah. I was telling, I've told some people like, I feel like I'm a normal, healthy person. Wow. Like I'm not coughing every five minutes. That's um, awesome. Yeah. So I have to, I have to, you know, take all those medicines, you sure. know, throughout the day. Um, and then at night I do a second treatment. Mm -hmm. Um, same, same routine. Sure. Um, and I also try to exercise like yeah. really regularly. So, mm -hmm. um, whether I'm running or doing street training, I try to do something like at least five days a week, sure. um, if possible. So, and that's, you know, they say exercise is one of the best ways. I mean, obviously you're working your lungs, you're breathing hard, right. it's going to be moving the mucus. So, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that, that is pretty much, you know, like as far as how CF affects my daily living, sure. Um, kind of how it looks. Sure. Thank you for that kind of summary of what it has looked like. How has the pandemic changed that? Yeah. So, um, completely turned 
our world, my world upside down, really. Um, you know, prior to the pandemic, I was working a full-time job um, in a psychiatric hospital, you know, going to work eight, eight to five type job, yeah. you know, um, and with the pandemic, you know, the CDC, you know, all the science was showing that, um, you know, people with respiratory disease would not do well you know, if, if they caught COVID and I should actually back up and also say, um, because CF actually has over as a person with CF gets older, Mm. um, they've started noticing other diseases that are kind of tacked on. Um, and one that I also have is called cystic fibrosis related diabetes. Okay. Um, it's kind of a combination of type one and type two. So sometimes my body will create insulin, um, mm-hmm. and it'll work kind of normal. Yeah. Um, sometimes it won't create enough insulin. Um, and sometimes it'll create insulin, but it won't send it to the right place. So it's very complex sure. on how to figure out how to treat it. And essentially the only way to treat it is using insulin. Um, so like a type one diabetic, you know, they can only, they only use insulin mm-hmm. to treat. That's the same with CF related diabetes is it has okay. to be treated with insulin. Um, so anyway, I, so I, I have cystic fibrosis and I have diabetes, mm-hmm. you know, that's two of the, the, the top yeah. hitters. Right. When it comes to, you know, severe disease with COVID. So, you know, my doctor, the CF foundation, they're sending out all these communications. You need to self-isolate. You need to Mm self-isolate. So that's what I did. You know, I I chose to prioritize my health um, and protecting my health Mm -hmm. um, even over my job. And so I, I kept my, my, I have two little boys. I kept mm-hmm. them home. Yeah. Um, and I 100% self-isolated. I don't mm-hmm. think I even left my house for probably like three months yeah. <laughs> um, when it all first hit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my, my work tried to work with me sure. um, for a while, but eventually it came to the point that it just couldn't work anymore. So I actually lost my job. Wow. Um, and, you know, continued to just self-isolate to the highest degree, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, my husband, he works for the Department of Transportation. He did go to work, um, mm-hmm. but of course they work outside. So, right. you know, there was still a level, I felt a level of security with that, sure. knowing that he was probably sure. pretty, pretty safe. Right. The risk was low. So, yeah, you know, since, since March 17th, 2020, I will never forget the date. Um, I stayed home. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, just worked really hard to stay in community virtually as best as possible, which, which was very challenging. Um, not just, you know, in a social kind of way. It's, right. it was challenging for everybody. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but also very just isolating and, right. um, depressing really. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, there's only so much that a phone call can do, you know, it's right. not the same as like receiving a hug and, no. um, 
the, the way that we had to isolate was like, even from our family, you know, right. like, I know a lot of people were like, it's okay to push the limits with visiting family. And, right. but we had to 100% cut everybody out right. of our lives. Yeah, you had um, to. Yeah. I would say the the riskiest thing we did over until recently when I got vaccinated, but of course the riskiest thing we did was, you know, t- hang out with neighbors outside. Sure. Um, and, you know, I have a three-year-old and a five-year-old and I was mm-hmm. like, I can't, they can't survive. <laughs> you know, right. I was like, I've got to give a little bit. Right. Um, and so letting them play outside with the neighborhood kids was mm-hmm. like, the riskiest thing that I was willing to allow in our lives. Right. right. Um, so really got to know our neighbors this year, which was really great. That's um, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I would say like, if anything, like God really used this as a way for me to connect with my like physical community. Mm. Um, so sure. that's, that has been a, a blessing. Um, but it was, it was very dark, yeah. Um, and difficult for most of 2020. Yeah. Um, especially through the turmoil of losing my job. Um, because mm-hmm. in a way I feel like I actually lost part of my identity. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know that my identity is in Christ. Of course. Um, but you know, all the time and the energy that I put into my education and into building my professional experience, mm-hmm. um, as a music therapist, yeah. um, was essentially ripped away. Yeah. Um, and like, I've even seen in reflecting over the past year, seen that God has completely shut that door in my life. Wow. Um, and so that, you know, I really spent many months grieving over that, you know, understandably, Mm -hmm. why God would you like put such a calling and a passion in my heart for this, um, just to like rip it away, to take it Mm -hmm. away after, you know, doing it for eight years and Mm -hmm. like, just feeling like I was just getting started, you know, Mm -hmm. in my career. Um, so yeah, it, the, the pandemic just like turned everything upside down and, you know, it was really a time for me to like reflect on who am I outside of my work, Mm -hmm. which has been a good thing for me to do. Um, but I would say has been the most, probably the most challenging experience of my whole life. Yeah. Understandably. And you've walked through hard things before, like we won't go into that, but like things have not always been easy for you. How did you deal with that? The isolation and the the sadness and the depression, how did you cope through that? Yeah, it was, it was hard. Um, music was probably mm-hmm. one of the, the biggest things for me. Um, I've never considered myself a songwriter ever. Um, but I've written a lot more songs this past year than, than ever before. Um, sometimes it's just the lyrics and I never Mm -hmm. actually get it into music. Sure. Um, Sometimes it was just kind of like improvised music that never really went anywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, but I did write, um, a few that I actually like play recorded myself and posted them. Yeah. Um, so that was probably one of the, 
one of the big ways that I kind of just was a natural sort of way of coping. Um, I would say um, a friend of mine gave me um, a devotional on just the Psalms. Mm. And um, so each Psalm has its own chapter, you know? And so I started um, reading a Psalm a day and well, sometimes some of the Psalms took several days. Of course. (laughs) I'm still working through it, but some of the Psalms are really long and take like, you know, three or four days to get through the devotional and the Psalm itself. Of course. Um, But that has been incredibly um, encouraging to me. You know, my husband um, is, has been wonderful. You know, he, I I never saw myself as a stay-at-home mom. Like I never felt called to be a stay-at-home mom. And so that was incredibly challenging, like adjusting to that. And there would be days I would just be at my wits end and my husband would come home and be like, "Just, just go for a run or just go walk around the neighborhood. And, you know, just a few moments of no children. Yeah. Um, was really helpful. <laughs> when you're three and five, that's very helpful. Yes. Yes. Um, and like, I've never more appreciated like daycare workers ever in my life. I'm like, I don't know how they do this all the time. My husband was, has been an incredible support. Um, and you know, just the, there's so many people that have reached out that maybe I haven't even spoken to in years, you know, yeah. that are just like, Hey, I'm praying for you and Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about you and, you know, let me know if I can do anything, you know, that, Mm -hmm. that type of thing, um, which has been very supportive too. And, you know, those are the, the main ways that I've I've dealt with a lot of this. Yeah. Um, And then just, of course, just prayer. I mean, just constant prayer. Like there would be times that I just would have to stop you know, my, my mind would just be running and running and running and running and Mm -hmm. like going nowhere productive. Right. And I just have to remind myself, like, just stop, just pray over this, you know, pray that God would, that his Holy spirit would just come and like change my thought patterns, you know? Um, so yeah, those, yeah. So the main ways that that I dealt with all this, yeah. Working through it one day at a time. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the, you mentioned the music while you were in there. You wrote your own songs and then you did covers of a lot of other songs as well and have posted those on the internet. And I know those bless me and quite a few other people. So we appreciate, even though music therapy may not be your career at the moment, at least, we were still blessed by it and it was still therapy for us. Thank you. Yeah, I, I enjoyed doing that. It was like I would um, just take a song that I'd heard that was like kind of impactful and I would just sit and practice it over and over, um, to the point that I felt like I could share it like publicly. Um, but honestly that playing through it, rehearsing was just like, um, you know, putting those, the words, um, you know, the reminders about God's goodness and God's Mm. promises and, um, his faithfulness, like, just reminding myself over and over and over while practicing the songs like was so important. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's huge. Cause you're filling your mind and your heart and your body and all of it yeah. with God's truth. Yeah. 
and, and you're getting to, to do music at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So we will link to Anna's um, YouTube channel on, in the show notes as well. So you can get connected with her music there. And then like the pandemic has been another layer of hard for you because your son went to kindergarten this year. He went to pre-K. Pre-K. Okay. Okay. He went to pre-K. Went. Quotes. (laughs) Went. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So he did school online. Mm -hmm. Um, And then. And then your husband was working, but there was a point when he was exposed as well, exposed yeah. to COVID. What did that season look like? Yeah. So that was challenging. You know, we knew, um, that he could not, you know, potentially he could have exposed me if he had it by the time mm-hmm. we found out he was exposed, but we right. decided to take, to, to create an extra level of security Um, and I actually like locked him in our room, Mm -hmm. (laughs) in our bedroom. Um, and I slept on my son's bunk bed. Um, (laughs) but he, he had to, um, stay isolated from us for, um, over, over a week Mm -hmm. while we waited for his results to come back. Right. So, you know, it's, you build up in your mind how awful it's going to be. You know, Mm -hmm. he comes home. I've been, I've potentially been exposed, you know, and I'm like, I'm literally going to be a single parent now for the next, you know, for the foreseeable future. Right. Um, so we, um, at, you know, would make, I made every meal served it to the the bedroom door Uh and, um, the boys, my, my sons took turns, like knocking on the doors, daddy, your supper's ready or whatever. Um, but, and it was challenging, especially knowing he was right there and could like help at any moment. Um, but also knowing that the, the risk of that, I wasn't willing to risk that, you know, right. thankfully he didn't catch it. Right. Um, which to me says a lot about masks because yes. he was directly exposed to a coworker and they were both wearing their masks mm-hmm. inside of the vehicle. Yeah. Um, So, you know, I was so grateful, um, that he didn't have it, but at the same time, I didn't regret like having him. Oh, for sure. You have to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that just had to be creative with getting like alone time that week, you know, (laughs) very creative. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then you've been able to get vaccinated at this point. What does the vaccine mean to you? Oh, it it's like freedom. Like, I mean, honestly, like when I hit the two week mark after my second vaccine, I mean, I'm still incredibly cautious, but I was just like this, like burden lifted off, you know, Mm -hmm. like I feel like safe going to the grocery store again. I mean, I haven't really grocery shopped in over a year. Um, but now it's like, Hey, you know, I can go walk through the grocery store and not like feel, you know, like questioning, you know, mm-hmm. are these people vaccinated? You know, are, are they carrying the virus and I'm walking into it, breathing it in right now? Right. You know, it's, it's just, it's, it's, there's a sense of freedom. Yeah. Um, and, and like this baby step towards whatever my new normal life might look like, you know, um, you know, maybe, maybe I eventually get another job. Um, but 
until that time happens, like at least I can visit family again and, you know, get a little closer than 10 feet away outside with my neighbors, you know? (laughs) And so we, it's been an incredible blessing and all of our family has, um, most all of our family has gotten vaccinated. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, maybe some of them wouldn't have originally, um, but knowing that that would be the way that they get to see us again and like actually spend time with us, they have all agreed to. Um, Mm -hmm. and so we've had some really, really precious, um, reuniting with our families that, you know, I mean, who could have ever imagined that we would have had to to, um, isolate from our own families for like over a year. I mean, it's just mind blowing to think about where we were at the beginning of 2020. Um, but yeah, so it has been, it really a burden lifted off. Mm -hmm. I am getting choked up listening to hear you, listening to you say that. Cause I just got my second one, like three hours ago, I'm already going as soon as this conversation's over, I need to go to bed. Um, but like, I'm, I'm ready, ready for the beginning of the end, I think is the best way to phrase it. What would you say to someone who's not sure if they want to get vaccinated? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I personally spent a lot of time researching like actual medical journals. Um, I mean, of course, like some of the language is, is beyond what my brain can comprehend, but, um, looking at like summaries and, um, you know, conclusions and seeing like, okay, what is the science behind this? Um, you know, the safety of the vaccines and stuff like that. Um, and I also had multiple conversations with my physician, um, and when it, when it comes down to it, you know, I, I truly believe that, I mean, there could be some crooked doctors out there, but the majority of healthcare providers do want what's best for their patients. And I don't believe that any would, um, you know, try to force something that is not researched and is not medically sound practice. Um, and across the board, I felt, I found that, that physicians are very much in favor of the vaccine. I go to UNC North Carolina medical center for my cystic fibrosis care. And there's a team of, I don't know, probably 30 healthcare providers, like some doctors, some social workers, um, dietitians, you know, all sorts Mm -hmm. of things. Um, and across the board, they're hundred percent behind the vaccine. And, you know, I'm like, if they think it's okay, they're not going to tell their patients, you know, I mean, we're the, we're the reason they have a job. Yeah. If we die or something happens to us, they're losing our business. That's true. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I would encourage someone who's, you know, unsure or, you know, borderline on how they feel about it talk to your doctor, Mm -hmm. um, you know, your primary care physician or, you know, whatever doctor you see, talk to them and, you know, discuss concerns with them. Cause I am sure that they have done the medical research, um, even just for themselves. And the fact that like my whole CF care team, they all 
as far as I know, they all mm-hmm. got the vaccine themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, you know, they wouldn't do that for themselves if they didn't feel secure in yeah. the science behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that would be, you know, it's easy to get caught up in all the stuff going around social media or even just media in general, just the news. Yeah. Um, and it's, it can be very hard to differentiate what is like legitimate research and what is people's opinions. Mm-hmm. And so just, you know, really trying to differentiate the two yeah. um, and talking to people who understand the science behind it, I think is so important. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's huge. And I think that figuring out what the truth actually is, yeah. is one of the hardest challenges right now and figuring out what's going to be the right choice, both for you personally, like every individual, but then also for the community around you, right? You know, like anyone in your community, if they want to continue to be in your, in your community, which I hope they do, cause you're valuable then the vaccine may be the right choice for them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So how can we love people with cystic fibrosis or with other other illnesses like CF, how can we love them well? I think the things that have been the most um, supportive for me, especially during this season in the pandemic, you know, it, it was so hard, you know, so many people reached out, you know, locally or even, you know, from very far away, you know, how can we help? How can we support you? Um, and you know, there wasn't, much that I could ask. I mean, you know, you can't come babysit my kids because we're not letting anybody in our house. You know, we're not letting anybody near us. You can't, you know, there were so many like, can't, you can't do this. Mm -hmm. I can't let you do this. Um, but even just in the reaching out alone, like was so meaningful, you know, um, so many people, um, you know, offered us financial support, which has been just amazing to see God provide. And that was one burden that we didn't have to worry about with so many people reaching out, people bringing food by, Mm -hmm. um, people bringing meals and, you know, literally just dropping them off on our doorstep. Yeah. That was, that was incredibly supportive. Um, but you know, probably the biggest thing was the, I'm sure thousands of people who have been praying for us, mm-hmm. um, you know, that God would keep us safe, that he would, you know, protect us from the virus, but also just that my health otherwise would do well because yeah. I ended up in the hospital, then there's the possible exposure there. Right. So prayer, I, I mean, I've always said that prayer is the reason I'm still alive from mm. the, the first day I was born when they yeah. didn't know what was going on with me sure. um, throughout my whole life. I mean, prayer, I, I attribute my health to the prayers of the saints, yeah. but, you know, beyond the pandemic, you know, just, just the um, encouragement, support from people, you know, that that are like, Hey, your music is, is touching. Or, you know, the, what I heard you say has gotten me through this experience in my life, or I can relate to whatever you're going through, um, has been really encouraging. And, um, I felt really loved through those kinds of messages, like 
beyond the pandemic too. So, you know, when it comes down to it, um, there's not much that another person can do for someone with CF as far as their health goes, you know, like you can't make me healthy. You can't take away the, the infections or, you know, what, whatnot. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, people offering to babysit in normal times, of course, um, so that I can get a break from the kids or offering to go on a walk, you know, to Mm -hmm. keep me moving. Those are the types of things that throughout my life have been, been really helpful um, and encouraging for me. Yeah, definitely. You mentioned prayer. And when we talked about chronic illness a couple months ago, um, one of the things that Casey Jenkins shared is that sometimes prayer could be an uncomfortable thing for somebody with chronic illness. Has that been your experience? Yeah. You know, I've, there've been times where, um, people are like, well, I'm going to pray that you'll be healed, you know? And I'm like, you know, you can pray for that. Um, but, but, you know, God, God may have other plans for my life. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, God may choose to take me and, I don't know that it's necessarily uncomfortable for me. I think it's uncomfortable for other people who want to pray that over my life. It's uncomfortable for them to hear that. Sure. Uh, I'm not necessarily asking you to pray that, that I'll be healed. You know, um, you know, I always pray. I always ask people to pray that God's will would be done. Mm. Um, you know, whatever that looks like. Cause I, I truly believe that even times when I've been sick and ended up in the hospital, like, God's had a purpose in that. And, you know, whether it's the, the, the healthcare providers that I've interacted with and had an opportunity to speak truth into their life, um, or, you know, people that maybe I've reached on social media that maybe Mm -hmm. I know about or don't know about, you know, there's been purpose in it. And I think, um, for me, that's always been something that I'm like, you know, accepting of like, whatever comes, God, help me to be okay with that. Help me to be content in that, even if it means losing my job, you know, or even if it means, you know, ending up in the hospital or whatever the case may be, um, that, that my prayer is like, help me be okay with that, whatever it is. Sure. Um, and I think it can be hard for, for other people to, understand it from that perspective of like, well, wouldn't you want God to heal you? Well, sure. But at the same time, like that might not be what is going to bring God the most glory. Mm. You know, the, the glory may come in my death and I have mm-hmm. to be okay with that. And I have to sure. be satisfied in that, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it's, it definitely like, I, I would say it's been a lifetime of like God working and moving in my heart and helping me see it from that perspective. Cause mm-hmm. nobody likes to talk about death or about like, you know, extreme mm-hmm. sickness. Um, yeah. so yeah, it's, it's a, it, and I used to, to like kind of make it humorous and be like, well, life is just a journey towards death anyway. You know, and people are like, you're so morbid. And I'm like, well, you know, it is. It is. Yeah. 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 And with a generally life-shortening illness, I mean, you have to have come to terms with it. Exactly. Would you be willing to pray for us on the show? Yes. I would love to. You want to do that right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
God, thank you um, for your promises and for your provision and for your faithfulness, God, in every season of our lives, in whatever anyone may be going through, God, you know, and you are there. And God, we're just, um, we're so unworthy, Lord, but you are so good and you deserve all the glory and all the praise, God. Um, I pray that every listener would um, just be touched, not by my story, God, but by your story, um, Lord, that, that our hearts would be open to whatever you have for us in this journey. Um, and that we would find contentment in that God, um, that through the most challenging situations that we ever believe that we could face, God, that we would see you, that we would see your hand working and moving. Um, and that even if we don't see that God, that we would know that we can trust you with whatever it is, um, that your purposes and plans for our life are so good and are so beyond our understanding. Um, so Lord, help us to trust. Um, I pray that, that we would learn to find contentment in whatever season, um, solely in you, in Jesus, in knowing that you have come and sacrificed your son for us to make a way for us to be with you forever. And that God is the ultimate goal is that we can find contentment through Jesus. And Lord, I just, I pray that you would um, just speak that truth into every listener's heart today. And that ultimately at the end of the day, you would be glorified. We love you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. I love getting to hear people pray because I love getting to share that intimate moment of hearing them talk to God. Yeah. And just the way that everyone prays just a little bit differently. And you can learn a lot about a person by hearing them pray and hearing them connect with the Lord. And what I was thinking about as I was listening to you pray is just you can tell Anna spends time with Jesus. You can tell she trusts him. You can tell she knows what her life looks like and she knows that he is still good and he is still God, regardless of what life throws at her. And so thank you for being willing to do that. Yeah, you're welcome. So Anna, one last question we always ask, and you can answer this in the context of the conversation we've already had, or you could take it a totally different direction. What do you wish everyone knew? I wish everyone knew Jesus as their personal savior. Um, that might be an answer you get a lot, but um, really that is the, the only thing that popped in my head mm -hmm. um, because it's so real to me, you know, that you can disagree with anyone about anything, but if you share the common knowledge and understanding and relationship with Jesus, yeah. that 
goes beyond any disagreement. Um, and eternal salvation is pretty important because we all face, I mean, I was joking about death before, <laughs> but it's a very real thing. It's true. Everyone will experience at some point in their life. Um, and I know beyond a shadow of the doubt that I have security in my eternal existence, um, next to, or at the feet of Jesus. And I wish that for everyone. Yeah. Well, that's beautiful. It is an answer we hear a lot, but it's an important one. So thank you for sharing it. Thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate this. I feel like this has been a great chance to get to know a little bit about what the pandemic has looked like and, and why are we all staying home? Like, who are we staying home for? We're staying home for people like Anna and we're staying home and we're getting vaccinated so that you can move forward with your life and so that we can all move forward with our life. So thank you so much for being willing to share your story. That's of course, way larger than just this particular pandemic. Yeah. Thanks again for asking me to join in. Definitely. As always, big thanks for listening. I know this was a little bit of a heavy episode. May is Cystic Fibrosis Awareness Month. And I think we're all getting a little weary of wearing masks and talking about vaccines and staying home and thinking through safe decisions. But I know when I'm getting tired of it, I think of friends like Anna, who don't have a choice, who have been more deeply impacted by the pandemic than any of the rest of us, for whom the vaccine literally means a second chance at life. We've linked to Anna's Facebook, as well as her YouTube, the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, and some of the other resources she mentioned in the show notes. So be sure to check them out. We'll see you again in two weeks. Be blessed, my friends, and know how deeply you are loved, you are cherished, you are enjoyed. Have a good night.